It is great to have you here with us. Again, if you walked in uh, kind of later, I'm Jack, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's, it's just a delight to, to worship together every Sunday night, except for those couple Sundays a year that we serve, and, and uh, just to gather. As I've been working on this talk uh, this week, uh, I've just been struck with this incredible gratitude for you. Grateful for you. And kind of this like-minded passion that God has kind of knit us together in this journey, this adventure that we're on uh, to start something and to, to get to Midtown, kind of the heart of our city, to say, hey, God, we need more of your hope here. And we need that. And it's not gonna come from anywhere else. And uh, this is a journey that we get to be upon. And uh, I'm grateful for you to be on it with us uh, from afar, from close, from every other week, from every week, just wherever you're at in that journey. Grateful to have you here. And uh, maybe tonight's your first night, and uh, welcome aboard. Uh, glad that you're here. We'd like to help you get connected and find a way to connect. And here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to think in your mind uh, as we get started, because this is kind of set up where we're going to go, and it's kind of the last movie. We'll get there in a second. But what's the smallest currency that we have in America? It's a penny, right? And so, I don't know if you have a penny in your pocket. If you do, just take it out and hold it for a second. Because here's the reality about a penny. No one really cares, right? I mean, if you think about it, how many of you leave a penny at the cash register when you get a little bit too much back, right? You're one of those people. I do that because I'm always like the guy who comes behind It's like, you know, 901. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to carry 99 cents. That's horrible, you jingle. Right? Anyone with me? No? Okay. So maybe I'm the only one. But you, you look at that penny, and sometimes it seems so small or so insignificant. My kids hid a bunch of these outside. Anyone find one? As you're walking in, you can look on your way out. We'll find out if you, you pick it up or you're just passing it by. But it, it's interesting. Do you know if uh, a few years back they did a study, you know if, if Krispy Kreme donuts, anyone like those? Do you know if they raise the price of a donut by a penny, they'd make an additional $27 million a year. Think about that. Or Coca-Cola, if they raised by a penny a case of what they were selling a few years back, they would make an additional $45 million a year just by a penny. And what seems so insignificant, so small, so unnecessary, in reality, that small thing can really have a big impact. You think about life and you think about other things that are just small. So here's the challenge. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Here's a battery, right? How many things can you think of in 20 seconds that run off a battery? A small little thing that if it didn't have the battery, it wouldn't work. Okay, you got 20 seconds. Turn to a neighbor. Go. How many things can you think of? that run off a battery. You're halfway home, 10 seconds. How many other things can you brainstorm?
All right, how many of you thought of more than five? You thought of more than five. Okay, more than 10? That's the ultra smart people in the room. Okay, uh, here's the deal. Like, you think about it, and we don't think about it a whole lot because we think, well, just in our culture, everything is about bigger equals what? Better. That's just kind of the mantra that, that kind of lives in our culture that we're kind of taught. And like, if you're a waiter or a waitress and a bigger tip, well, yeah, that's better. I mean, let's just be honest. It is. So, um, but sometimes we forget about the significance and the impact of the small. It made me think of this movie. How many of you have seen the movie Ant-Man? It's a, I don't know if I'd call it a classic, probably not. Um, it, in fact, it's not. Uh, it's quite boring in some places, but if, the idea is that this guy who's kind of a criminal uh, along the way kind of gets rescued and he's given this mission, this purpose in life because he's allowed to become Ant-Man when he wears this suit and he shrinks down to the size of the ants and he can actually like communicate with ants and, and that's the creepy part of the movie because you actually see different kinds of ants and if you don't like bugs, then you wouldn't like this movie. But there's some simple, small things that the smallest superhero can do that Superman can't do. And here's like fight scene, because just it's cool to watch people fight. So, roll it. That's really the best part of the movie. You don't have to watch any, any bit more. But the idea of Ant-Man is this concept that this small thing can really make a big and significant impact and make a difference and do things that maybe bigger things can't do or, or bigger superheroes don't have the opportunity or, or the leverage to do. And the reality is, in our world of bigger, brighter, louder, I just don't know if that always captures God's attention the most. So I, I want to go a little bit into the Word and look tonight at this kingdom pattern that we see all throughout Scripture, this idea that our little plus God's power equals big impact. And you really see it in so many different stories through the scriptures, in so many different ways in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, you see this kingdom principle, this kingdom pattern kind of playing out more and more. And in a world and a culture where we're kind of taught, hey, no, no, it's the bigger, you've got, it's gotta be brighter, it's gotta be louder. I think sometimes we can miss the significance and the impact we can have in the simple small things and ways that God wants to work in and through your life, in and through this church, in and through the way that you interact with people around you, not on the large grand scale, but in the simple everyday kind of ways. And there's a story I want to look at. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Kings, uh, and we'll get there. If you have a phone, you can actually follow along on version. We put the notes in there and all the different scripture passages. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's this story that unfolds with this widow. And let me kind of give you a little bit of background. 2 Kings, in a lot of ways, First and Second Kings kind of tells the story of guests. Kings, kind of the kings of Israel, and the kind of time that we're around when that was in play. And it talks about a lot of times the prophets that God would use to kind of be God's mouthpiece to the people. And, and they would have these different stories of things that are unfolding. And we, this is not a, um, the story we're going to look at tonight is, is this prophet who was married, and then he dies. And this widow is left with this debt that they have to pay. And she's got some sons. She has some children. And she comes to Elisha. And she says, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't have anything left. And what you have to understand in that culture 
is that widows really didn't have a voice. They didn't have someone that would speak up for them unless there was a close relative that would take them in. And she's probably not in the scenario. We don't know fully where this is, but maybe around the town of Bethel, this is going on. And in the whole region there, uh, this kind of this... Uh, this place of the prophets was a people who were trying to live uh, an aligned life with God. Here's what it means to kind of live God's way. And they were living that out. And then this trouble comes. Trouble comes to your life. Trouble comes to my life. Trouble comes to us, right? No one avoids that. But in this context, she shows up to Elisha and she says, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because in that culture, in that day, if you couldn't pay your debts, what would happen often is that your sons and daughters would be taken into kind of this endangered slavery in a way where you would work off your debt or you would be taken into and you kind of work as an indentured servant, so to speak. And you would work off your debt and she doesn't know what's going to happen and what's going to go on. And so we see this in 2 Kings chapter 4. Here's what happens. A man, uh, a wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as their slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, comma. Well, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a couple or just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into those jars. And as each is filled up, put it to one side. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars in and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, that's all we have. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Now you go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So she goes from having nothing, this immense debt, to having a retirement account. Think about that. In fact, she shows up to Elisha, and she says, I don't have anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyone ever been there? Anyone ever been where you're like, I just don't know what to do? And she shows up in this minute, And Elisha is kind of led by the Lord to say, hey, what do you have? And it's an afterthought for her. She doesn't even register that she actually has a little bit of olive oil. It's kind of, that's what that comma is, just trying to to put a pause in here, that it's almost an afterthought that she even has that little bit, because in her mind, she's probably at the place where maybe some of you have been, or some of uh, us as we navigate this life have been to the place where you feel like you have nothing. And you you don't even think about the things that you do have, and you're so consumed or or caught off guard or or taken aback by the things that you don't have. Uh, Comparison is a cancer in our society, isn't it? We think about all the things that we don't have. We think about all the things that other people have. Facebook and social media just kind of propagates this idea of, look at all the stuff that people have and yet I don't have that. And so we begin thinking in the negative way and begin thinking, God, you can never get me to that place and we are never satisfied. Enough is never enough. And what you begin to see is that God's at work behind the scenes in her life, that even that small little bit that she doesn't feel like is enough, it's enough for God. It's enough for him to work with. And I think sometimes Uh, we have to understand that maybe one thought I wrote down is God absolutely loves to use the little that we have. He absolutely loves to use the little that we have, not the abundance necessarily, 
but the little, to say, I can work with that. And I can, I can narrate and navigate a story that goes beyond what you think you can actually accomplish or achieve because it's gonna be with my power. It's your little plus my power, God says. That's what can have a big impact. That that's where we can go. That's where we can live. See, we get stalled out often in the things that we don't have. And God says, look, you got enough with me. You've got enough with me. You may feel like you don't have it. You may feel like it's not enough or that it's impossible. And God would remind you what he said to Mary through the angel. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. So you see this pattern, this kingdom pattern all throughout the story. Think back to the Old Testament. Here we pick Abraham to start the whole lineage of the Jewish people and the people that God's gonna bless. One guy, 100 years old, no kids. That's who you pick? Like that's not who you would pick, right? It's not who I would pick. You pick one guy, Moses, who stutters to lead a people out of captivity. And that's who he picks. He picks one man, Gideon, to say, Gideon, I want you to rally your army. And you got too many people. So we're going to cut it down to 300. I know you're going up against thousands, but 300's all you need. You and I wouldn't strategize that way. We would look at the battle plan and go, that doesn't add up. We're out, right? That's what I would do. That's what you would do. We look at one prophet, Elijah, up against 400 prophets of Baal and the standoff on this mountain. One guy versus 400. That's not the odds that you would pick. And God says, that's exactly the number I need. That's what I'm looking for. I can do a lot with a little. It's enough for me. You think of one boy who shows up with a Lunchable on a mountainside and Jesus uses it to feed over 5,000 people. And this guy's just walking around, this kid, probably a teenager walking around just for lunch for the day. You think of Jesus and just how he came into existence, born in a manger. That wouldn't happen if you were writing the story. You would write it bigger, brighter, louder. And yet God says, I like the little things. I like to work behind the scenes in a lot of different ways. I like to see what's going on. I'll take the 12 up against the mighty Rome. And these 12 disciples, they're going to outlast Rome. No one's outlast Rome, but they did. Why? Because it's this kingdom pattern that we see throughout Scripture. It's our little plus God's power that he can make equal a big impact. It can make a difference. So the question becomes, what skills and talents and passions has God put in your life that you may see as an afterthought, that you may not even think that that skill matters or that it can play and make a difference? What, what position has God allowed you to have that in that position and in the narrative of your story, and how it's gotten to this place that God can use that to make a difference in other people's lives. Some of you are wondering, okay, why, do, why has God blessed me in so much? Is it just for me, or is it to bless his kingdom movement in this world? Is it to use and to spend into a different story that's gonna outlive and outlast you? In so many ways, we have talents and abilities. You have talents and abilities that God wants to use, friends. And he wants to awaken you 
that you would see that on an ongoing basis. It would continually be on your radar screen that he wants to use your passions, your abilities, your talents, your experience, your past story, your present story, your future story to make a difference. And as you bring that little bit to him and you ask him to pour in his power to empower you to do more than what you can do on your own, he can make a big impact with that. God is more excited than you are to use the skills and talents, the contribution that you can make to make a difference in this kingdom, to make a difference in this world, in this world that needs a different story, doesn't it? This world's gotta hear a different story because the one it's hearing isn't gonna work and it isn't gonna take you anywhere, is it? Just look around, we see it. Yet God wants to see his story move forward. I think of last week and the fact that we had you know, 80 plus people show up to serve a school that like, you normally wouldn't do that on a Saturday or a Sunday. Like you wouldn't take time out of your schedule to go, hey, I'm gonna go wash windows at a school, that sounds fun. Like you wouldn't do that. But we had several just kind of 80 plus people of us show up and pour in over 200 hours of work into this school to make a difference. So much so that the, the principals and the teachers and the administrators show up on Monday and they're in awe of like, what's going on with our campus? And you're beginning to instill some things in here and then we're praying God's blessing over this place. And as you brought in backpacks, and hopefully you saw that as you walked in, just a pile of backpacks are gonna be delivered this Tuesday and handed out to kids as teachers say, this kid is a kid who needs one. And as they hand deliver that to the kid and the smile that's gonna be on their face because you filled out a backpack. And it maybe wasn't a lot and it didn't take a lot of effort or time, but it's gonna mean a lot because it's that little bit plus God's power of his church working to make a difference in the city that he loves. And as we invest in that, that we make a difference here. I think of this fall and the opportunity we're gonna have right here in the school to do some tutoring program on Tuesday nights. Kind of Tuesday, late, early evening type thing, uh, probably around 5.30 to 7, uh, 6 to 7, don't quote me on the time, but somewhere around there, in the library here, opening up for students right here at Catalina High School. That if you need extra help, we've got people who will give up a Tuesday night. Maybe you'd wanna sign up for like every other Tuesday or something. That you could be here at the school to help tutor some kids and invest in them and help them understand that maybe there's a God who actually knows their name and who actually loves and cares about them in the middle of math homework. Hopefully it's English, because I stink at math. But if you are a math person, we'd love to have you. But think about the opportunity that we might have to make a difference in some lives of some students. Or think of the prayer walks that are gonna happen this fall as we just begin to pray around our neighborhood. Now being here a couple years and just asking for God to move in the hearts of the people gathered here that we might be an influence for his namesake and for his hope to bleed into their life, to serve and to continue to make a difference, maybe through your e-group or through your small group as you serve with the different partners we have around the city. And a couple Sundays a year that we kind of cancel service and do a serve Sunday and invest in the lives of people that matter to God. The opportunities for you to serve in e-teams around here, from working with kids and investing in them, helping them know that God loves them, and working maybe one Sunday a month to do that, or working with our guest service team, or in our worship team, on the tech team, and the different opportunities we have around here. Your little bit, friend, the little bit you have to offer can make a world of difference 
for people as we set the table for people to experience God and to take next steps with him, maybe a first step or a next step with him. God can do a lot with a little. It's a pattern you see throughout the scriptures. It's a pattern that I bet if you look back in the narrative of your life, you've seen it too. That God can be at work in the little bit of things, the little bit of time that you invest, the little bit of treasure that you invest into his kingdom moving, it makes a difference. The little bit of energy you pour into your coworkers or God steers a conversation for you to have kind of out of the blue and the blessing that it is and the blessing you receive as you invest that to people. You've experienced that, right? It's this incredible time where God can take a little bit that you do, a little bit that you have to offer, the little contribution you can make. And he pours in his power, empowers it to make a big difference that later on people look back and say, man, that really blessed me that you took the time to write that note or to make that phone call or to have that conversation or to to speak into my life in that way. And it, it changes the trajectory of their life maybe even more than you'd ever realize or even know. But God lines you up to do it because he can do a lot with a little. He loves to use that and to, to, to kind of use our little plus his power to make a big impact and to make a difference. I think of Ephesians chapter two that talks about it's by grace that we've been saved, not by works so that no one can boast about it. And then verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, God's masterpiece, that there's only one of you. No one else is like you. Think about that. That the creator of the universe handmade one of you with your passions, your talents, your drive, your experience, your insights, your skill sets. You are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to sit on the couch, to not do anything, to come here week after week and never do anything. No, that's not what it says, does it? Created in Christ Jesus to what? Do. Let's just say that word. Do good works, which God's prepared in advance for you to do. Think about this. God has already lined up divine appointments and opportunities for you to invest your life, whether it's your resources, whether it's your time, whether it's the opportunities that God steers across your path. He's already orchestrating that and lining that up. And sometimes here's what I know of my own life. I miss them. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I know sometimes I feel like I was supposed to have a conversation and I I just didn't feel like having it. And I walk away and I'm convicted like I should have. Or I'm convicted that I I missed an opportunity. But here's what I know about God. God always loves to bring new opportunities around. And friends, he's got opportunities for you this fall to step into and to use your little bit plus his power to make a big difference. I wrote this, our contribution may not reach everyone, but it will impact someone. Our contribution as individuals, you're not gonna reach and impact everyone. It's just not gonna happen, but it will impact someone. And in that moment and in that life and in their story, it will mean the world to them. Our church will not reach everyone but it will impact someone. And it will change the trajectory of their life. And it will move them further into closeness with Jesus and to help them walk and understand what living a life of faith is. When you use your two cents, your little bit, 
not only do people get blessed, but you get blessed as well. Because God loves to use the little bit. Jesus delighted in what the little bit that people would bring. There's a story in Mark chapter 12 that Jesus is kind of there in Jerusalem and people are bringing, uh, at that time, kind of their tithes and offerings to the temple, right? And lots of people are making a big show and they had this giant horn that would be there. It would be like if we had a giant cone offering plate or so. And you would drop in coins because that's what you had and it would make a lot of noise. And it was going down and Jesus had just been railing against showy spirituality. People trying to make a show to get people to say, oh, well, look how spiritual they are. And he'd just been railing against that. And here's what catches his eye, is this little widow who goes over and she drops in two coins, probably like our two pennies. That's all she has. And Jesus stops in this moment. And he takes a teachable moment with his early followers and he pulls them over. He says, did you see that? Everybody sees the big offer. Everybody hears it but you want to know what catches my ear? It's this. It's someone who's willing to give the little bit they have to a bigger story and to a bigger narrative going on to worship in that moment with what little bit they have. That's what catches the eye and the heart of God. That's an amazing reality that, friend, over and over we see that God loves to receive that worship. Do you ever think about that? We often think what we do is about trying to get God to like us. Do you ever stop to think that God can actually receive from you? That's actually why we worship every Sunday. Did you know that? It's not just because we want to hear each other sing. It's not just because some of you have great voices. Some of you make a joyful noise like me. We worship because we serve a God who can receive. Revelation chapter four, verse 11 says this, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus goes through and says, look, when you give a cup of water to someone, it's like you're doing it for me. When you visit someone who's sick or visit someone who's in prison, it's like you're visiting me. It's this amazing divine reality that we don't do stuff just to get God to like us. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Why? Because it makes a difference and it matters in God's story and we serve a God who can receive and who can receive the blessing of that and who loves to bless us back in return, that we might receive the honor of being a part. And so what does it look like to take your little bit plus God's power and allow him to do something with that that can make an impact? What does that look like for a church in the middle of our city, stacked around with so many odds against everything that's going on? How can our little voice make a difference here? Listen. It does, it has, and it will. Why? Because we serve a God who loves to take our little bit plus his power, and he can make a big impact far beyond maybe ever what we can calculate and what we even see in the tangible ways because that's the way God loves to work. I think he loves Ant-Man more than Superman. That's what you see through Scripture. 
He's not looking for you, friend, to be Superman or to be Supergirl. But said, hey, will you do the little things? What would it look like for you to wake up this week, every day this week, and say, God, the little bit I got, it's yours. Let's go make a difference this week. What would it be like to walk into your workplace this week with a radar screen alert to God, what's the little ways that I can serve the people around me? What's the little ways that I can serve my family at home? What's the little ways that I can serve my friends that I come in contact with? How can I be a blessing? How can I use the little bit uh, of time, the little bit of talents that I have, the little bit of treasure to kind of move your kingdom movement forward through your church and in my life? How can I do that? And what would it be like to wake up every day and say, God, would you show me at your office, at your school, in your classroom, in your neighborhood, in your family? Say, God, how can you use the little bit I have with your power to make a big impact? One of my favorite stories, uh, I've told before, maybe not here, but um, World War II, right? A long time ago, the British are flying uh, air raids over Berlin, bombing raids every day. And what would happen is the bombers would take off and they would be surrounded by fighter pilots, right, to kind of protect them in the air against German fighter pilots. And that's how they would protect, because a bomber's just a, kind of a big sitting duck in the middle of the sky, right, flying around. And they would do this, and then one day, they were returning from a pretty successful bombing raid, and somehow, some way, one of the bombers got separated from the crew, separated from the, kind of this big cluster in the sky, and kind of got isolated. And that's when they saw it. These German fighters coming closer and closer. And pretty soon they saw the tracer bullets kind of shooting out from their jet and they're just bracing for impact. And that's when they heard it. Thud, 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 thud. As they hit right near the fuselage. And they're bracing for the explosion that should happen and that's gotta be in the next split second. And something happened. Nothing happened. And these pilots are beside themselves. Somehow, they kind of get back into and away from that. They make it back to the base, and they land. They go back to their barracks, and all five of them, all five or six of the, the crew, they're sitting in the barracks, and they're kind of beside themselves because they realize they shouldn't be there. Their life should be over. And about 30 minutes later, one of the mechanics comes in with five crumbled up bullets that hit near the fuselage. And he said, you won't believe what we found. And he showed him the bullets. And inside the bullets was a little tiny note from some Polish POWs. And the note simply read, we are Polish POWs held captive. We're forced to make bullets, but when the guards aren't looking, we don't fill with powder. It's not a lot, but we hope it helps. Tell our family that we're okay. Five bullets out of the millions that were produced in that war made all the difference for that bomber crew. Friend, you never know what little bit you have to offer. It may even be an afterthought in your mind. But as you invest that and make a contribution to this world, to God's movement and to his grace through his church and through you individually and the opportunities God steers your way, you never know the impact and how that can change someone's life. And friends, we wanna be a church like that. 
We wanna be a church like that. I want you to have an adventure every single week that as you go to your office, as you go to your school this fall, as you go throughout your sports teams, as you go throughout your neighborhood, that you would just wake up with this kind of anticipation and excitement that you have an opportunity in front of you. And you can either live for your story and make it about you and listen to a narrative that's going on around you and feel pretty bummed or you can say, I'm on this planet rescued by an incredible savior who went out of his way for me and he's asked me to partner with him that he's got good works for me to do that he's already prepared in advance. So God, would you just awaken my heart and my eyes to see what you see? That's what I wanna pray for us. As we move into a time of communion, as we look and worship with a couple last songs here, that we remember in a time of communion, remembering Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And as a believer, you're welcome to participate. We've got tables back here in the middle and tables down front. We'll kind of take some space here in a minute to give you space to contemplate, to think about it. What are the skill sets, the passions, the dreams, the desires God's put within you that he wants to use to make a difference? And how might that change your week to begin to think that way? That my little bit plus God's power can make a big impact. This kingdom pattern can play out in your life and in mine. So Father, that's what we pray for. That's what we ask for. I pray, Father, that you may give us a renewed understanding, a spiritual radar, if you will, that as we go through our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays too, through every week, that you would awaken and quicken our pulse to want to be a people that aim the little bit that we have, the little bit of time that we have, the little bit of resources that we have, the little bit of talents and abilities and experiences that you've given us, that we'd invest that. Maybe it seems in simple ways. Maybe we don't even see the fruit or, or the production of what happens in that, but we trust that to you. That as we give our little bit, as we worship you by doing so, that you'll take that little bit, you'll mix in your power, and you'll make a big impact far beyond what we can maybe even get our mind around or ever see. May you give us a passion as a church, Father, to bring your hope to the heart of our city, to invite people into a life-giving relationship with your son, into their next steps of their faith journey, to help them walk that out as we dive into this fall, as school begins. I pray for our teachers and our students that you would bless them and let them live with that sense of anticipation and excitement to live a life where their contribution matters. And it maybe goes beyond what they can even picture or dream. Father, we remember the contribution of Christ. It wasn't little at all. It had a little beginning. A baby born in a manger in seclusion. And yet he came and accomplished what we could not accomplish. That through his life, his death, his resurrection, he made a way that we might have life with you, God, through faith in him. So as we take this juice, as we take this bread, would it anchor our soul again? That you go above and beyond. And what you ask in return is that we'd worship 
with the little bit we have, that you're a God who can receive as we sing and as we worship with our life and with words. May your heart be moved and may you move us to be active agents in this world for you. We ask that in Jesus' name.